Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined by Bill and Cleo Kingry. How are you all doing today? Just fine. We're doing well for old people. (laughs) Uh, I think about uh, what I've heard Dad say before. You're in good shape for the shape you're in. I guess I am. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, Bill and Cleo are here today to share their testimony with us. But before we get into that, what are y'all's favorite uh, ice cream flavor? Oh, Baskin Robbins uh, uh, pralines and cream. Is there any better? (laughs) What's that chocolate that I she have? Likes, she likes uh, chocolate uh, from uh, Brewster's. Oh, okay. The, the, uh, chocolate turtle. Okay. Turtle. I love that. Okay. So, he likes and... any kind of ice cream. Okay, yeah. Well, that's kind of like uh, Pastor Margaret. She's not able to be here today, but she likes a lot of like stuff on her ice cream. I'm more plain. I just like vanilla. Oh, you so, do? I don't like vanilla. That's uh, okay. I that would have gotten a laugh out of Pastor Margaret if yeah. she was here. If you all just want to start out telling about where you're from and about how you grew up, maybe Bill, if you want to start, and Cleo, if you want to share after he's done sharing about okay. where he's from. and. Well, I'm uh, from Christiansburg, Virginia. Back in the day when Christiansburg was a, a small town, uh, I left home at uh, 17 and um, went to Indianapolis, Indiana, went to work for the Pilgrim Holiness Church headquarters and uh, was there for several years. We got married and moved back to Virginia in the in the uh, mid-60s. What about you, Cleo? I was born in Charlottesville, raised up I tell people I think I was born in the Pilgrim Holiness Church. (laughs) I was taken to church when I was just a baby, and I just kept going. And uh, but we had a nice little church there in Charlottesville, and uh, so that's where I got my start, really, in the Christian life. That's neat. But hearing both of you say Pilgrim of Holiness, that rings a bell to me because that was what. The Wesleyan Church yeah, used to be called dad. Pilgrim of Holiness. Yeah. I know my grandparents, uh, theirs was a Pilgrim of Holiness, now Wesleyan Church. So that just brought back fond memories when y'all mentioned that. And I believe there's actually some family ties to the same church that my grandparents yeah, and my grandmother yeah. still attends. His sister. Oh, Roy Dorset married my sister, yeah. Yeah, so your sister and, and brother-in-law and were, were there. Pastor yeah. So uh, what was it like? Growing up in the church, going to church, um, you know, being raised. You know, sometimes we take that for granted. Growing up in Christian family, we don't realize that not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to grow up in a Christian family, to grow up being taught the Bible and those things. So uh, just uh, either one of you or both share about that. Well, that was, I think, the most important part of my life was that I had a great start in the Pilgrim Holiness Church. Back then, they were very strict, but it never hurt me. And uh, I went to church every time the doors opened. Unless we were sick, we went to church. We never had a car. We had to walk blocks to the church. 
but we never missed church. I don't care if it was snowing, raining, or what, we went to church. And we had too many of us that no one could carry us in their car. It was five kids and then uh, my mother and father. So we just walked, I don't know how many blocks, and we never thought anything about it. But we met in a little building at that time. It was an old store building. And we met in that building for years before we built a little church in Charlottesville. But... uh, it wasn't a large church. I think we probably ran like 60 people, 50 or 60 at the most. But uh, we had some good pastors, and uh, I mean, they taught the Bible. Uh-huh. And uh, I was so happy as a child to go to the church. I can remember when we decided we were going to get out of the old store building, uh, we decided to build a church and I was just a kid, and uh, so they had a contest, whoever sold the most bricks, and they were 10 cents apiece, and we went around and sold them, and I can remember I sold more bricks than the other kids did. So I got a little testament for selling those bricks. (laughs) But, I mean, different things that I was raised up doing, you know, was such a help. Right. Well, I can't remember not going to church. You know, I probably went to church before I went to school. Right. Uh, we were in the Methodist church when I was very young, and uh, I, I got saved at the, probably about thirteen uh, in a camp meeting or a tent meeting, really. A tent, a tent. Uh, evangelists came to our town and set up within sight of my house, and our whole family got saved. And that's when we started to the uh, uh, Pilgrim Holiness Church and. And after that, it's kind of like the rest is history. You know, you, you grow up in it. You become saturated with uh, uh, the religion, uh, the, the salvation that you need, and, and it just goes from there. Uh, was there anything that stuck out about that experience as a 13-year-old at the tent meeting where your whole family came to Christ? Well, I remember a few things, you know, the, and when we started to the Pilgrim Holiness Church, it was one of those things that was something new and different, and everything was different than the Methodist Church. It wasn't quite as, as a cut and dried, and uh, we just blossomed in, in uh, spiritual things simply because of that. And I remember one time somebody told my dad, of course, he had drank enough and smoked enough before that, and they told him, yeah, that'll probably last two weeks, and it'll be over, but uh, Dad died at 91, and he was still in the church. Uh, great testimony, and uh, Cleo, especially, you were talking about walking to church. You know, that's a commitment today. We don't realize how blessed we are. Um, not saying that there aren't difficulties and struggle, they're different, but uh, just the commitment. I remember, uh, you know, days when the very rare occasion where we would cancel church here, it was usually the people that lived the furthest that would show up. <laughs> so, Cleo, uh, a lot of times we talk about our family's faith kind of riding the coattails. And Bill shared about when he and his family came to Christ when he was 13. Do you have a specific moment that you remember making that decision maybe for yourself? Yes, I do. I remember I was about five or six. I don't remember the age, but we had an evangelist to come to our church for revival. And I can remember that's really when I gave my heart to Christ. And I'm so thankful I never wanted to turn back. Mm-hmm. And that's been 80 years. <laughs> yeah. 
So how did you all meet? How did the two of you meet? It's an interesting story. And both of us went to the Pilgrim Holiness Church. And she lived in Charlottesville. I lived in Christiansburg, about 150 miles apart and with no interstates then. And our church had their first youth camp in Roanoke. We had a uh, camp in Roanoke, had our first youth camp, and uh, we both attended the youth camp. And I uh, met this uh, beautiful, dark-haired, brown-eyed girl, and uh, she's still around. <laughs> Not a girl anymore. <laughs> yeah. What age were um, you all at that like youth camp? High school? Uh, 15, 16, okay. I guess, yeah. Yep, and uh, how long have you all been married? Well, 66 years. Long yeah. time. And June 2nd. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> That's what uh, true love and true uh, Christian marriage, I mean, uh, in order for it to last that long, there's got to be, you know, the two of you plus the Lord. What's the secret to having a marriage that lasts that long and continuing? Well, you could also ask, uh, what's the secret of um being a Christian that long. Yeah, either of those. It's total yeah. commitment. Yeah. yeah, we can't say that it's all been roses. Right. You know, yeah. But uh, you have to learn to deal with it and take yeah. everything to God and right. let him guide you. Right. And certainly, you know, comparing our relationship with Christ to a marriage is a great comparison because, like you said, they both take commitment. You know, we have to commit ourselves to the Lord through the ups and downs, just like a husband and wife commit to each other through the ups and downs of life. You mentioned that you met at a youth camp. How did y'all, like, get connected there, and then how did your relationship start, you know, from there? Well, we're standing around the, the uh, snack bar in the, in the afternoon, and I uh, offered to buy her an ice cream cone, and she turned me down. Uh. <laughs> I didn't even realize that when I asked the question to start out with. Uh, I wasn't used to someone doing offering to buy me some. So it started with a no, but you guys are obviously, you know, you mentioned 66 years of marriage. So uh, how did it go from there, I guess, so to speak? Well, by us living that far apart, we didn't see each other very often except at youth camp. And we uh, we went through a couple of youth camps and then, I moved out of state. I moved to Indianapolis uh, after I graduated high school. And so most of our uh, correspondence was Uncle Sam's airmail. And back in those days, uh, making a long-distance call was not only expensive, it took forever to get through because of the telephone service. But uh, we managed to, uh, uh, I guess, uh, fall in love over a stamp. (laughs) Now, how many letters did you write? Uh, I wrote her, uh, well... I, I won't say the whole time, but in the last several years, I wrote her a letter every single day. So y'all had a long-distance relationship. Yeah, right. And how many years did that last? The day uh, A couple of years, because we got married in, in 56. So I, I graduated in 54, she graduated in 55, and we got married in 56. So did she move to Indianapolis, or did you move back to Virginia? Uh, I drug her away from home, took her to Indianapolis. <laughs> And First child in my fa- out of five that it had ever left home to live. Yeah. So what was it like as a newlywed couple far from home? I'm going to let you do this. <laughs> <laughs> it was, at times, you know, it was fine. And then I got homesick after so many months. He'd say, well, I'm going to put you on the uh, train and uh, you can go home for a while. So I... 
I would come back to Charlottesville and be with the family for a couple of weeks. Then I was fine for quite a few months, and yeah. then I'd get homesick again. Yeah, unfortunately, back in the 50s, every teenager did not have a car. Right. So we didn't have a car for several months after we got married. We rode the bus everywhere we went. Grocery had, store. Had people pick us up and take us to church. And uh, like she said, the train was the ideal way to get around right. back in those days. And you make right. good connections. And uh, she'd get on the train in Indianapolis and get off in Charlottesville. So it wasn't a big, uh, uh, big time, a big thing to uh, change. About how long, just out of curiosity, about how long of a train ride was that from Charlottesville to Indianapolis? It was an overnight. It probably took uh, 14 hours, uh, 16 maybe. But uh, changed trains in Cincinnati and uh, got on the C&O, which was uh, in her town. And uh, she got off uh, just almost just blocks from her house. Right. We did that. I did that for quite a while, even after I had a couple of my children, right. we'd get on that train and come back right. home to see my mother. Tell us a little bit about what you did in Indianapolis, Bill. And uh... Well, my sister answered an ad in the church paper after high school and went to work in Indianapolis as a secretary. And uh, when they found out I was going to be available to uh, uh, graduate in June, they said, hey, he's got a job if he wants it. Well, I was uh, 17 years old and and just ready to do anything exciting. So uh, I worked in the print shop for uh, uh, in the headquarters building for three years and then uh, kept that as my career and changed jobs. And I was a printer for, I don't know, 25 years after that. Right. Well, uh, if you want to... Tell us a little bit about your family, how many kids you all have, and uh, then also what brought you back to Virginia after some years in Indianapolis. I had four brothers, and I was uh, the fourth child. And uh, it was, of course, my mother and father, and we just, uh, that's where I went to school. I went walked to school. It was clean across Charlottesville, but... I didn't right. like to ride the bus, so I walked all the yeah. way to school. But uh, I guess that's mostly the four brothers. We had three kids, a boy and two girls. All three of them were Hoosiers, born in Indianapolis. And, um, both of our parents were getting elderly, and after several years, we decided, well, someday we will move back. And uh, so we had a few family problems that existed back in the, in the 60s, and we moved back to uh Charlottesville in uh, 65 and uh, they didn't have enough printing in Charlottesville to keep me alive <laughs> look we like starved to death yeah. <laughs> and uh, we lived there three years and then I moved to Richmond and we were there until we moved here so uh, how many years were you in Richmond and what brought you back to uh, the Shenandoah Valley uh, 20 we were in Richmond 28 years and uh, my oldest daughter uh, moved up in this area, and as we would come to visit, we talked about the fact that what a beautiful place to retire. And of course, I wasn't anywhere close to retirement age, but uh, uh, we kept visiting up here, and the more we came, the more we liked it. So uh, when I retired, this is where we came. You guys are now in Elkton, Virginia. How many years is it you've been uh, in Elkton since moving? We've been there 24 or 25 years, I guess 24. And if just anything foundational in your faith, you know, over the years, y'all have been in the church a long time. So just 
anything along the way, whether it was in Indianapolis, Charlottesville, Richmond, here in Elkton, or here in the Valley while living in Elkton, I guess I should say. Well, the story I like to tell on my wife is when we moved to Indianapolis, or when she, I moved her to Indianapolis, uh, she taught children in the Sunday school class. And in Charlottesville, you know, the mouse gets in the house, and that didn't happen in Indianapolis. And she was talking about the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand, <laughs> and the kids talking. were giving her this questionable look. What are you talking about? <laughs> so she had to also not just change uh, uh, her lifestyle, but her language. <laughs> they didn't understand Charlottesville. And we just got, we were so involved in the church, we did a little bit of everything, and she taught. She was a missionary president. I don't know. What other jobs did you hold? I don't even well, know. I don't know. You and me to both had, what, seven or eight jobs? The church wasn't real large. That was the Westland Church right. when we first went there. You know, I, I served time on the board, and I was uh, I worked with youth. I, worked, I taught a Sunday school class, and, you know, you just get involved. And a lot of that's done because in small churches, you just didn't have the manpower to go around, so somebody needed to do it, and you just kind of volunteered. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what that's what service to the Lord's all about, volunteering. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking you were talking about teaching Sunday school. You're still teaching. Occasionally you've shared in our men's Bible study on Tuesday morning, and in a recent broadcast, Pastor Margaret and I were talking, and I referenced something that you shared about the sponge and about dripping Jesus, I believe, is what you said. You know, whatever we're filled with will come out when we're in times of difficulty or those type of hard times. You know, whatever's in us will come out of us, and we want to make sure that we drip Jesus. So, uh, yeah, and uh, just as y'all were talking about moving as a young couple or moving her to Indianapolis with you, I thought about the word surrender, like surrendered to God's will for your life. Talk about in relationships, whether it be our faith or marriage or whatever, the ups and downs, um, it just requires surrender. So what does surrender mean to you all, or what does that look like to you all? Well, I haven't. I had really never thought about it from a marriage standpoint, but surrender is giving up. Right. And uh, you give up your life for Jesus in, right. in the spiritual realm, but I guess you give a lot, you give up a lot, and you accept a lot when you're married. You know, people would say marriage is 50-50. is wrong. You know, marriage is 100-100. Yeah. And uh, you just have to give once in a while and, and say, okay, we'll go your way. And then next time they go my way. And I talked about commitment earlier, and that's basically what it's all about. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Cleo? Well, you know, you've got to be willing to go along with your husband. Yeah. And I think I was. I mean, I never left home. I never left Charlottesville hardly. Yeah. I think I went to North Carolina a couple times, and other than that, I was there. So that was part of that, and... Uh, I mean, you didn't think about not doing if your husband felt like he had to work somewhere else. And, of course, right. he was in the Lord's work, right. working at the church headquarters, you know. Right. And so I went with him, and then I got a job there in uh, Indianapolis. I worked at an insurance company. That's what I had done in Charlottesville. So we just went along together, no car. We would just... Catch a bus with our groceries and get right. <laughs> right. get home and uh, 
It was a different uh, life when we first got married, but we adjusted to it. Well, uh, if you all would like to share about, uh, we talk about serving God, we talk about serving God. So what does, you know, you talked about the importance of service. We believe that, you know, even though it changes depending on what stage of life you're in, that you can always serve him or always be faithful to him. So just talk about the importance of serving him and doing his work, whatever that looks like. Well, I talked about small churches and doing things in small churches earlier because of uh, you feel like you have to because nobody else will do it. But service took on a, a new idea. I, when I started teaching the, a Sunday school class in the Nazarene church in the, in the late 60s, then it became more of a ministry. Right. It became almost a calling. And I taught the same Sunday school class in a church in Richmond for 23 years. And uh, uh, it, it's just one of those things that you, as you serve, and I, I said this many, many times, I got more out of my Sunday school class than my uh, class did because I had to study and I had to uh, be prepared. Plus, I had, to, I had to allow God to take over. There were times when you study a Sunday school uh, for our Sunday school class, and it takes a, a different road, goes down a different trail, and everything that you've done that you studied is behind you, and you just do something different. It depends on the needs of the class, so you accept that. And so I understand a minister that has the same problem. He'll prepare a sermon, and then God changes his sermon when he gets in the pulpit. Yeah. And these are the things that you just surrender to, and it becomes it becomes more of a uh, a calling than it yeah. does a job. Yeah, it's certainly it's the lifestyle. I've heard my dad say before. You know, it's not just like you say a nine to five job. It's a calling. It's, it's something as all of us as Christians, and we can serve. And many, you know, it's kind of like the body of Christ. Not everybody's a hand. Not everybody's a foot. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's an ear. We all have a purpose. But it's all important to the body of Christ, whatever he's calling us, whatever area he calls us to serve in. And as you were talking about, you know, sometimes the Lord can change, like you said, a pastor's message when he gets into the pulpit. I've heard Dad say before that uh, if you're prepared, he'll never leave you, but you have to be prepared. He can change things, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't prepare. True. So, uh what else would you guys like to share? How is the Lord using y'all right now? What are some of the areas you're involved in? I know uh, we have a joy group here at the church, and they meet regularly, and just whatever else y'all would like to share. Well, we've been going to a church in uh, Elton right. for Bible study and that yeah. thing. We don't come the East this Rock. far. East Rock campus. And we've been doing that, and uh, really... Of course, we haven't reached there that much in Elton except because we've been, you know, we've been coming here. Right. Well, COVID, COVID changed a lot, and of right. course, with uh, with COVID and not even going to church, you know, sitting right. in a parking lot or listening yeah. to it on the, on the TV, right. uh, it changed a lot of things. But once uh, we got started back to church, uh, that's about the same time the uh, East Rock Church started. And we just felt like we'd had a lot of friends here. We've been uh, uh, associated with Joy ever since it started, right? Uh, Twenty some years, and uh, so we just decided to stay here. And uh, we do go to uh, the Bible study in Elkton and go to some other special events. Right. But uh, we just we just feel a, a bonding to this church that uh, we just can't we just can't go anywhere else. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> now, at, with age, it may come a time when right. we have to, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right, yeah. 
Pastor Margaret early on when she was telling somebody about the church plan in East Rock and Elkton, uh, they were like, well, I don't want to leave the Harrisonburg church. And she's like, well, it's the same church. It's yeah. just uh, another campus. Right. Yeah. So it's one church. So, uh, yeah, wherever. Um, and a lot of times I know they invite people to visit the East Rock campus, see what's going on there, because right. I know God's doing a lot of good stuff there at the East Rock campus with Pastor Jared and Pastor Terry and the others that are there. Um, so it's really exciting. And only God would plant a campus when there's a pandemic going on. It would have to be God. It's true. We were surprised, but he was not. Well, I I think that happens to us a lot. You know, we're surprised at some of the things that God can do and does do. And we just have to say, hey, uh, I'm I'm just a part of it. Right. Uh, Y'all mentioned about Joy Group, and I I should have, when I mentioned that, I should have explained what that was. It stands for Just Older Youth, 55 and Better. And so, uh, yeah, you guys are active in that. And uh, just uh, talk about, you know, in the the days we're living in with, you know, the pandemic that we've had to deal with and just all the things that come along with getting up there in age, what still brings you hope and what still lets you know that there's good news, you know, in the gospel? Well, I think as we... Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the sponge thing that you were talking about. When you really need to be saturated, you don't know what's going to what what it's going to take. And my example, the sponge, you dip it in a, a morning worship service, or you dip it in a, a small group session, or you right. or you dip it in a Christian song, you dip it in prayer with somebody, and these are the things that saturate you. And then as you go out among the world, you have to share that with other people. And age is not a factor in that. You right. you share it when you're six years old, or you share it when you're eighty six years old. Right. It doesn't. It, there's no age limit. And this is the thing that makes salvation so unique. It's a current, up to date thing, but it's a, it's something that you you grow in for all these many many years. And uh, you you cannot be ashamed of what, right. of what you believe and uh, who you believe in. Yep, same God to every generation and. Uh, I think of something that my grandfather said uh, when he was on his deathbed uh, dying from cancer. He said, he's still working on me to make me who I ought to be. And that's one song you sing as a kid that he still remembered uh, in his last days. Anything else that you all would like to share that I haven't asked you already or maybe that you haven't shared already that's important to your testimony or to your life? Well, I, yeah, I think when you ask a question like that, I think of how much life changes when you get our age. You know, after COVID, well, uh, I had stopped teaching as a permanent thing uh, several years before because we did a lot of camping and we're out, we were went to Florida every year. So I, I stopped teaching at that time, but I substituted uh, until COVID started. And then uh, then I got involved in the, uh, the uh, Tuesday morning thing and and it just gives me that gives me an opportunity once in a while to uh, to share my faith with uh, people that believe the same way I do, and um, I think that alone, uh, the men that go to that program, that alone keeps them uh, involved in sharing Christ and sharing their faith with uh, the people of the world that they meet every single day. Right. As iron sharpens iron, so one believer sharpens another. Right. So one person sharpens another. What about you, Cleo? Anything else you'd like to share today? Well, the only thing that comes to my mind is he's still working on me. (laughs) I don't give up. I know that, you know, I want to always be a little better, you know, and 
serve him the way I should, and our time is getting short. Right. And we know we don't have many years on this earth left, and uh, what we do for Christ, it's got to be done. Right. Amen. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and he's never done that. He's always been faithful to me over all these years. If I didn't have the Lord to put my trust in, it wouldn't be the same, that's for sure. And God is always there. And like I say, he's promised never to leave us. Right. Amen. Amen. And as you were talking, Clay, I was thinking about, uh, it was like a little plaque or whatever that my grandmother had uh, that used to hang in her house. And dad's got it hanging in the garage now, but it said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah, That's a good one. Well, uh, Bill and Cleo, thank you for joining me for today's broadcast of Hope Talks. It's been great to have you. Well, we we enjoyed it, and we hope it does some good for somebody that's listening. And I'm just going to close in prayer for you all today. <laughs> Lord, uh, I just uh, pray over Bill and Cleo and over their family. Lord, just pray a blessing over them, Lord, and... Just uh, thank you for uh, just their life, their testimony, their faithfulness to you and to each other, Lord. And uh, just help them to fill your blessing in their life every minute of every day, Lord. I just thank you for them being willing to come in and share their testimony with me. I know that I've found hope from it today, Lord. I thank you for those that have heard their testimony and found hope in it also, Lord. I ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I pray that as you've heard Bill and Cleo Kingry's testimony today, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.